This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Caleb Brown. Javier Malay's ambitious plans to deregulate the voluntary sector in Argentina is slowing. His large package of reforms to further lift government impositions in the country has stalled. So it's appropriate to focus now on the most important reform, the one on which most of those other reforms will hinge, getting inflation under control, and that means dollarization. Cato's Daniel Raisbeck and Gabriela Calderon comment. Danielle, if you don't mind, give us a brief update on the reforms in Argentina. It seems that things have slowed, and if I understand your previous comments to me, the honeymoon for Javier Malay is over. Yes, I believe that is correct, uh, especially after the failure of a very large reform bill that had to go through Congress, and it was approved initially in general terms. But uh, once Congress uh, had to vote on specific issues, it became evident very quickly that Millet doesn't count with congressional majorities to get his legislation through, especially the more libertarian aspect of things, for instance, privatization of state-owned enterprises. And that fell apart, and the whole legislative bill goes back to square one. So in that sense, you are correct in terms of the honeymoon being over rather quickly. And just to understand some of the politics here, Javier Malay's party has a quite small share of the legislature, people who you might expect would be gung-ho for his package of uh, largely deregulatory reforms of the private sector. And so, and there was a lot that he did without the approval of lawmakers, just by virtue of the powers of the office of president in Argentina. But anything else that he wants to do, he needs the legislature. Is that right? That is correct. There was a big uh, mega decree in December. And it contained uh, most of the deregulation measures, for instance, ending price and rent controls, which he could do through decree. But for a lot of his agenda, he does need to go through Congress, and that requires some type of bill. And this is where he's had uh, difficulty in the last two weeks. And as you mentioned, his party only controls around 15% of the lower house and 10% of the Senate. And even in coalition with uh, some of the center-right parties, especially the, the largest one, which is former President Mauricio Macri's party, they, they're still far short of a majority. And when people thought that a lot of his reforms could go through, it, it was in an informal alliance, especially with smaller parties connected to provincial governors. And those were the first to backtrack on some of the specific issues on the law, for instance, privatization. And you have said in previous appearances on this program, all of the reforms hinge somewhat, some more critically than others, hinge on getting inflation under control. And you have advocated dollarization. Yes, that's right. We have advocated dollarization because we think, we think, of course, the root of the problem is fiscal lack of discipline and, and uh, overspending. And successive Argentine governments have paid for deficits by monetizing that deficit and, and monetizing the debt. So, of course, the deficit is a big problem, and Millet is addressing that problem, and his finance minister is addressing that problem. 
The thing is, we think at this point, you have to address the monetary problem first, because if you don't deal with inflation, then inflation, we think if it runs out of control or if it remains at very high levels, especially when Millet came to power promising to get rid of inflation or to defeat inflation very rapidly, then uh, that's going to generate all sorts of problems with him to the extent that all his other reforms could uh, end up not being very effective. And that's why dollarization being the proven way to bring down inflation most quickly, we think is, is the best policy. And so far, Millet hasn't shown any concrete plans to dollarize quickly. There's just a promise of eventually dollarizing, but we don't see the steps and we think that is quite concerning. Gabriela, you are in Ecuador. Ecuador is famously one of the countries that dollarized years ago. Can you give us some of the context for uh, when Ecuador dollarized and what the effects of that were? Ecuador is a very relevant case study for what Argentina is going through right now. There are, there are very important similarities between the two circumstances. You, of course, have another Latin American country that was dollarized at around the same time, El Salvador, but under very different circumstances that are importantly different from what Argentina is going through. So why is the Ecuadorian case relevant to Argentina? Because just as the discussion is unfolding now in Argentina, a lot of Ecuadorians are having a sense of deja vu because the discussion revolves around the fact that there aren't enough dollars to dollarize. And that was the same discussion we had here. Ecuador dollarized as a desperate measure amidst uh, a financial crisis, a banking crisis, a currency crisis. And there was a plague on one of the country's main exports, which was and still is shrimp. There was also a downturn on the price of oil. And, and so you had sort of like the perfect storm. We also had a large fiscal deficit. We had a large public debt. And I mean, it was not like the stars were aligned for us to dollarize. And it was President Jamil Mawat, whom in January 9th of 2000 decided as a lifeboat measure, we're going to do this as a free fall measure because we've tried everything else that's been considered and it has not worked. And a lot of people think that he did it trying to save his government and he was actually removed from government two weeks after that. But dollarization was inserted after he announced it. And then it was implemented or, or formalized by Congress two months after that. I mean, there was no plan. They didn't have a formal law to implement it, but it was very automatic. People wanted dollars. So it was like a bottom-up reform. It was like just uh, the political class recognizing what people were demanding in the streets already. It was a revealed preference. And the way it happened, it was that it was a very popular reform, more so than any other political figure after that. And it remains a national consensus. In fact, it is sort of like a litmus test for any political candidate in our country, like how uh, much they abide by dollarization and what are they willing to do to protect the system of uh, a dollarized economy. So what has been the practical impact of that? Like how how has politics changed and uh, policy formation, spending, how has that been changed by dollarization in Ecuador? The main advantage is what dollarization has stopped from happening 
I mean, it has allowed a lot of benefits, like interest rates went down right away, inflation went down right away and stayed low for the past 24 years, uh, which is great for economic growth and for investment opportunities in our country. And, you know, now one out of every five shrimp in the world is produced in Ecuador. This boom happened afterwards and it required lots of high-tech investments in the sector. So uh, you have these great developments in the economy long-term uh, investments. But besides that, I think the greatest benefit is is what it protected us from. Our institutions are weak institutions and our institutional quality is very similar to Venezuela's 20 years ago. And, and we did have Chavismo in our country or it, as it is more well-known, socialism of the 21st century. We had a government with uh, Rafael Correa, and, and he tried to capture, and he did capture most institutions, but he was not able to print money. He was not able to control the money in which people save and the money in which people get paid. And, and you know, as Friedrich Hayek would say, the control of money is, is a strong way of controlling people. So he didn't have that tool. It was politically impossible to get rid of the dollar because it was kind of like political suicide. So in a way, it is the implementation of what Milton Friedman recommended, to make what is politically right not convenient for even the wrong people in power. So it was politically right to have this dollarized economy, and even the socialism of the 21st century in power was not able to get rid of it because it would have meant political suicide for them. Danielle, you mentioned that there is not a plan, or it does not appear to be a plan so far to move this critical policy forward in Argentina. What's the cause of that? Well, it's a great question. And uh, the interesting thing is that dollarization was the flagship promise during Millet's campaign. That's why I think he started really rising in the polls, or at least why a lot of people started paying attention to him, also outside of Argentina, because there were articles written in the English-speaking press, uh, even before he became president, on on dollarization, most of them criticizing dollarization without a proper understanding, in my opinion. But uh, it might be that he had to negotiate with other political parties in order to have greater support in Congress, and those other political parties don't necessarily support dollarization. But it could also be that he was convinced, or someone convinced him, that uh, it was unfeasible to dollarize Argentina on day one. And uh, we think, especially as Gabriela was saying, based on the experience of Ecuador, but also other countries, that they are mistaken in that respect because they have all the conditions that, uh, for instance, Ecuador had when, when it dollarized in terms of the reserves uh, needed in order to convert the circulating currency, which is a real important part, into, into dollars. And there is just not the political will in, in Argentina. And of course, the question that you ask is, is a very relevant one, which is why. And uh, we're trying to, to figure that out ourselves. Gabriela, why do you believe dollarization is such a difficult proposition right now in Argentina? Oh, it's not. I think it's the simplest, but I think their plan is incoherent as a strategy towards it. I don't think it makes sense because the goalposts, first of all, they seem to be moving goalposts. Like first they said, we need to get rid of the liabilities that the central bank has. And, and then they said, no, you know, we also need to solve the problem with the debt with importers. And now they are even saying, we also need a banking reform before we are able to dollarize. And there's no 
fixed date on it. But the whole strategy, the whole economic plan is based on having one priority, which is having a fiscal deficit of zero. And and we're not, I mean, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not against reducing a fiscal deficit. I think it's it's convenient with or without dollarization to reduce the fiscal deficit. But the way they are going about it, and they say this explicitly, is that they want to dilute the liabilities of the government. And this includes diluting savers' money and and diluting pensions and all these effects that are going to have very pernicious impact on his popularity and his ability to push for other reforms. Because as long as you have high inflation, he's he's also going to suffer greatly in his credibility. I mean, if that's what made him rise in the polls, that's also what might kill him in the polls if he's not able to control that promptly. And there's there's an, a symbolic part to this as well, which is you've probably seen the the images online of Millet with a chainsaw because during the campaign, he was constantly saying and communicated that he was going to take a chainsaw to the state in terms of um, eliminating bureaucracy and, and bringing out the deficit. But now the actual policy is more of a blender, as in the kitchen blender. And that's how, as Gardiel was saying, they're diluting the debt. And I think the crucial point is that it might be fine to dilute the government's debt, but the problem is that they are diluting everyone else's savings and purchasing power as well. And it's curious because Millet during the campaign was even criticizing some other candidates because they had this plan to dilute the debt. And he was saying that this was outrageous and this was the same thing that they've done for decades and it hadn't worked. And now that is precisely what he's doing to the extent that he's also promoting the fact that the blender is a part of his government's program. And I think to the extent that we believe in the importance of sound money, I think uh, that is something very concerning. And, and that is why we also think that dollarization is such an urgent measure for Argentina right now. Gabriela Calderon and Daniel Reisbeck are scholars at the Cato Institute's Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.